the Pro Wrestling Bowl. 35 short stories, including Harley Race, Ricky Morton, Tracy Smothers, and Tim Storm. Along with 300 photos from the independent scene. Taken from Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama. Get your book today by going to WrestleVille.com or LanceByChance.com. WrestleVille, it's where wrestling lives. Are you a fan of pro wrestling, comedy, and combat sports? Then we have the podcast for you, because we cover that and much, much more. Do you like to debate with your friends? Do we have the perfect segment for you? It's the 531, where we take any given subject, break it down to a top five. From there, we debate it down to three, and then into that number one spot. If you want to get a hold of us, find us on our social media. Search Working Fans Podcast on any major social media platform. And if you want to find the podcast, search for us on any major podcast platform as well as YouTube. Working Fans Podcast. We put in the work so you don't have to. We want to take a minute to thank our newest sponsor on the show, 482 Designs. That is F-O-U-R, the number is 82 Designs. 482 Designs. You can find them on Facebook by looking up F-O-U-R, 82 Designs, at F-O-U-R, 82 Designs on Instagram. And if you want to email them, Go to four82designs at gmail.com. Pretty soon, we're going to be rolling out some high-quality T-shirts and stickers that were just done by the sponsor. Please check them out for any of your screen printing needs. First off, it's a light years better than our first one. Also, we survived the washer and dryer. They look good, and they're good quality. Nice. And those stickers before Paco chewed them up were amazing. And luckily, we'll be getting some more in, hopefully, before we start selling them to fans. But that's F-O-U-R-8-2 Designs. All right, everybody. We are live with the Combat Cast. Back at it again, folks. We're going to talk about upcoming fights. We're going to talk about this past weekend's fights. A little Silva Paul. Welcome back. Chevy, what do we got coming up? All right, November 12th, we're going to be previewing UFC 281 Adesanya versus Pierre, a huge fight from MSG. We're looking forward to that. Yes. And November 19th, UFC Fight Night Lewis versus Spivak. We're always big fans of Black Beast, and that'll be a 4 p.m. Eastern card, so we're looking forward to those. Always love those early ones. <laughs> and then the end of the month, November 26th, there's no UFC fights, but the 2022 PFL season championships are that weekend, so we'll be previewing those. All right, so some good stuff coming up. What do we want to talk about? Well, let's talk about after last week got me thinking a little bit. Are fighters overtraining? Because this year we've seen quite a few injuries in main events in particular. Obviously, they're not only happening in main events with the last week we talked about TJ Dillashaw in the co-main, but couple notable ones want to point out earlier this year brian ortega had that shoulder injury versus yair obviously he was you know putting that arm bar but he had previous shoulder issues issues before tom aspinall had that knee injury versus curtis blades i don't know if he had any injuries going into it but any overtraining beforehand can weaken those tendons and then obviously We'll get into it, but Calvin Cater's knee injury versus Arnold Allen. So mm-hmm. I'm just curious if, you know, we are seeing the best of the best. This is the, you know, quote unquote golden age for MMA at this point. We're seeing everyone is at the top level. With that, does that come with any like overtraining, do you think? I mean, if you look at this year, it seems to be hitting us hard, but 
We've had this problem in the past. And if you remember particularly, it was the AKA camp. It was, you know, rock hole. Hard, hard sparring camp. Yes, it was with Cormier, Kane, and Habib. And one of the things, too, about Habib was that sometimes he would get these injuries and he would not fight. Because, again, we talked about it last week, I believe, where he was really protective of his record and his legacy, mm-hmm. and he would only want to fight. And so, you know, it's very interesting. It's hard to say if it's all over time or this is like a Maybe we need, we're waiting for that next big thing with a break in, like, sports medicine, right, and rehab. Yeah, recovery, where, maybe, yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, I always look back to the story in the career of Robbie Lawler. He notoriously got rocked real bad and got knocked out a couple of times. So he started not sparring coming up for fights and, you know, he has successful career, but then he got back in the UFC and he said, okay, I'm going to spire now hard, but it was taking those years off still learning, but protecting himself. It made him such a threat. And he had that good run when he first got back into the UFC. And I think there's always something to that recovery versus you know, your training. Yeah, it's very interesting. I, you know, it's funny. This is maybe a little out there, but I'd be interested in to see a guy like Sean O'Malley's training because Sean O'Malley, for all his haters and Lord knows, <laughs> I get it. But I mean, he seems like he'd probably be a real new school guy. And I'd be curious, like, what he does to try to stay injury free. And he's obviously a guy that's improving, you know? So, like, I don't know. I, I, maybe a bunch of these athletes just to see what they're doing to stay healthy versus some of these other guys who are just, you know, they're training hard. Obviously, they're getting beat up. I mean, I don't know. And it's just, yeah, maybe it's just we need to have a better recovery system. Yeah, I know a lot of fighters, you know, Max Holloway, I don't think he does sparring anymore. I think Cowboy had cut out sparring before he retired. I know a lot of fighters say that, you know, once you have had a certain amount of fights, like, you know how to fight. You just need to work on staying sharp and, you know, not taking damage is a super important component to a long and successful career, obviously. So yeah, I don't know whatever it is. I hopefully the sport can figure it out soon because obviously I'm not the only one that is disappointed with these main events, you know, ending in some terrible injury. That's, that's not how anyone wants to see him and neither fighter or the fans. Yeah. You know, what's funny too is, and some of the guys who like have injuries, but fight hurt like a Robbie law or a Matt Brown, are some of the most exciting fighters still, too. Right. Yeah, I see Cage Q talking about saying short and getting weight in check, too. It definitely feels like we've had a lot of weight issues this year. Right, missing weight cutting. You know, if you have a bad weight cut, that that can affect your body so much as well, too. Especially when it comes to, like, knockout. You have the lower hydration levels in your brain. You're more susceptible to knockouts and in traumatic brain injuries to go with those knockouts. So weight cutting, you know, I wish they could get rid of it in the sport. Mm. Doesn't seem to be any way to do it, so until they figure that out i don't think i think we're just gonna have to deal with it for now but some advancement in in recovery after all these super hard trainings might help out i don't know if, if anyone's got any ideas it's a million dollar idea right now so mm-hmm. you think that we would benefit if we had more of a weight allowance you mean as far as like missing weight? Yeah, like well, we said, okay, so you got to be 170 to fight for the welterweight title. But maybe we could just make the titles 170 to 175, you know, middleweight. 20, you know, I don't know. I'm just saying. like, would, yeah, Guys are going to push it to the limit no matter what. It's, right. Right. They'll it's just cut to 175. Yeah. yeah. They're going to. Yeah. That's the way fighters are. So they're looking for any advantage they can get. And being the bigger guy in there is an advantage. So they're going to figure it out. All right. Let's move on to last week's fight night. Cater versus Allen. A couple of prelims that we were looking forward to. The young Chase Hooper fought uh, relatively unknown to us anyway. Steve Garcia 
Garcia gets the round one TKO. When I watched the fight, obviously I was hoping that Chase was going to have the improvement in the striking. And unfortunately, he looked slow. His striking's just not up to par. I'm worried that he's not improving fast enough and he probably doesn't have too many more chances to show what he's got in the UFC before they send him packing. Not necessarily that he won't come back because he's so young, but they might send him out to get his experience somewhere else and hope he can make it back to the UFC. I'm just looking now. Garcia is two and two in the UFC. Mm-hmm. He's 13 and five overall. Both his victories are TKO though. Right. Super powerful striker. And and though he landed shots on Chase that hurt him for sure. He would, Chase was definitely concussed after the fight. You could see it in his eyes. He was, he was not looking so great. So move on to another fight we're looking at. Andre Alofsky versus Rodrigo de Lima or Rogerio de Lima. Yeah, Rogerio de Lima, round one, rear naked choke. Marcos just swarmed him. And once he got him on the ground, he just sunk in the choke. Arlowski really had no opportunity to get anything going in the fight. No, he doesn't rely on his power anymore to win fights. So if somebody just rushes him down and doesn't, he doesn't get his opportunity to, you know, pick away at them. He's going to get beat in the heavyweight division, and that's what happened here. Marco's super scary, big, strong heavyweight, so I bet he'll continue to get wins. I don't think Arlovsky's done by any means from this. He just got caught early. Mm-hmm. Move on to the main card. So Khalil Roundtree versus Dustin Jacoby. Roundtree got a split decision win. Did you get to see this one? I did see this one. I'm a big fan of Roundtree. And like I was telling you before, I kind of wanted to throw a few matchups for you after this. And I was thinking about with Roundtree. What do you think about him versus Orion Span? Ooh, that, that's a tough fight for Roundtree for sure, I think. Yeah, I think it would be. Yeah. Like I said before this fight happened, Roundtree has been in and out on deciding right. whether or not he wants to be in there. If he doesn't want to be in there, he definitely doesn't want to be in there against Ryan Spann. No, probably he'll not. put to sleep for sure. Yeah. But as Cage IQ was alluding yeah. to in the fight, it was a very close fight, but I didn't think that Roundtree had done enough to get the win. Dustin was definitely more active. He he landed way more strikes. You know, Roundtree had his spots in the fight where he landed some good shots, but it was a close fight. I won't call it a robbery, but I definitely was leaning towards Jacoby. Kind of got screwed, so. Bummer for him. I'm sure he'll go on. Put that one behind him. He'll be fine. And I I, I don't know. We never know what's going to go on with Roundtree, whether he'll, he's going to be back or not. Mm-hmm. I, I'm amazed he's still been around. I mean, he's had some impressive performances, right. but it's like it's... Yeah, like you said, he's in and out, and you never know what you're going to get. And sometimes he just looks fantastic. Yeah, he looks unbelievable. And then sometimes, like, oh, where did this guy? You know? Yeah, he had that fight against Bukakis where mm-hmm. he, he destroyed his knee with those leg stomps. Mm-hmm. I mean, he looked like a world beater yeah. that fight. You know, amazing, amazing. So if he looked like that every time, he'd be the champ. You know what? I would say Lariah Hall is another guy who was always like that, too. Simple. In and out. Right. Yeah, which, you know, we can talk about that too. We'll we'll talk about the we'll talk about, yeah, I know. Yeah. 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 We'll talk about the Jake. Yeah, we'll talk about a little Jake Paul. Part, but I did not see the la- the next two fights, so but just please give us your opinion on those two fights. Yeah, so Trajan Gord versus Josh Frem. Trajan got the W with a round two submission. 
So not how I saw him getting it done with his power, but Josh was doing well on the feet, but he just kept his head in too long on a, on a takedown attempt and got his neck snatched by Trajan. The choke was in super deep, and when he let Josh go, it was a guillotine. And when he let Josh go, his head snapped back so hard, smashed off the canvas. It was a brutal finish as far as guillotines go. So Trajan, you know, is super powerful striker, and if he can add in those submissions to his game, he's going to be dangerous going forward. Let's move on. Waldo Cortez, Acosta mm. versus Jared Vendera. I had predicted that Vendera was going to be dangerous and get a win to keep his job for sure in the UFC, but Costa got the decision victory. Fight was super close, though. Jared was landing a bunch of leg kicks on Waldo that were hurting him for sure. Definitely taking effect. Waldo couldn't stop them or check them. And he was doing this weird thing. We were screaming in Jared's face to, you know, I don't know, try to psych him out or show the judges that it wasn't affecting him. But Mm. he just kept stalking forward and he landed a bunch of heavy shots on Jared. But Jared didn't go out. So props to him. Unfortunately, I assume he probably gets cut this week. I think that's four losses in a row. Oh, yeah. Um, so he's probably going to get cut. But Unless you're Sam Alvey, that's... <laughs> right, yeah, so... Waldo, uh, he has some stuff to work on, but that was his first UFC fight after coming off the Contender Series. He showed that he deserves to be in there. He's got a little bit to work on. Definitely some leg kick defense for sure, but very powerful guy, and he's a heavyweight to keep an eye on. And we will move on to Max Griffin versus Tim Means. Uh, very good fight. Yeah. yeah, Max Griffin got a split decision win, which I thought he deserved the victory. It was close, but... Max was elusive, and he definitely had the power advantage. Tim looked good in some of the exchanges, but I really think the age is just catching up with him at this point. I, I think he's 35 or something like that. So, Did Griffin hurt his hand, too? Yes, he did. Yeah. He said his hand was numb after like the first half of the first round. Mm-hmm. His hand went numb, so... Yeah, because I thought that he would actually, I, and I love Tim Means, but I thought Griffin was going to get the finish here when going into the fight. You know, that's what I suspected. So, but I thought he looked good in other ways. Like you said, he looked very elusive, and I'm still very high on Max Griffin. I, I'm very interested to see what the future holds for him. And one of the fights I was telling you before I was interested in, Michelle Piera. I was thinking what, that would be an interesting fight. Somebody who's a little more, you know, wild and explosive, you know, two very explosive yeah. guys, too. Yeah. yeah. It's a great matchup. I'd love to see that one for sure. You know, Max keeps getting better and better. You know, he's really proving that he can be up there with those top guys very soon. So I imagine he'll get someone like a Pierre, uh, you know, a top guy soon to break into that top 10. And then, you know, we're going to move on to the disappointing main event. Arnold Allen versus Calvin Cater. Arnold Allen gets a round two, you know, eight seconds into the second round TKO via knee injury that was sustained in the first round. Right. Unfortunately, Allen didn't really have anything to do with the injury. Cater, you know, went to throw a flying knee and Allen was circling away from him and Cater just landed awkwardly while he was turning in the air and he twisted his knee, definitely tore something. He, he managed to survive to the end of that first round. Yeah. And they got um, his leg going again, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so managed to survive. He, you know, he was moving around a little bit, but he comes out for that second round. First time Allen backs him up, he goes to plant. And there's actually a really gross slow motion video mm. where you can see those that tendon on the right hand side of his right knee. He's stepping back and it tenses and then just 
all the tension let's go so i assume it snapped or tore and then he went immediately down so it's you know obviously disappointing for cater he was trying to get back on track this doesn't help him now he'll be out for i don't know a year or so but also you know very disappointing i won't see say equally but very disappointing for arnold allen because he was looking for a decisive win to you know, you know, make a statement to get himself towards a title shot. And unfortunately, this is probably not going to be enough for that. Well, here's the thing. So my question was going to be, I'd like to see Arnold Allen against Jair Rodriguez next. I think Maybe that would in, be it. In the interim title. Well, and if Volkanovski is going to be fighting for the lightweight title, and those are two guys that Volkanovski haven't fought yet, Arnold Allen, maybe, again, he didn't get that definitive victory, but 12-fight win streak, 10 wins in the UFC. I mean, and Ortega and Holloway have already gotten their shots. Mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, like that would be an interesting matchup to make. So I'd like to see Yair and Arnold Allen. Yair is always improving. And I'd be very interested to see just how that fight plays out. I'd favor Yair, but I, I'm i interested. Who do you think matches up better against Volkanovski between those two? You know, uh, it's funny because I know you were more the Yair fan. Like, I liked him. But the way he just keeps sneakily getting better and better every time, I like Yair. I just like it because of his striking. And he's such a good striker. And he's getting good takedown defense now. And he's got slick with his submissions and stuff, too. I don't know. To me, Yair kind of reminds me of like, an, actually, that's a very good question there from Cage My Q. Where does this leave Josh Emmett? Another solid guy with wins and stuff, too. Yeah, I think that Yair, though, I don't know. I think he, his level of striking, and he's different than Max, you know, whose volume or more versatile. For sure. Right. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think Yair presents a unique problem. Yeah. I, um, I haven't been the highest on Yair lately because he doesn't, you know, stay active or whatever. And, you know, doesn't have the best mental game in there for sure. But uh, he did show something in that fight against Holloway. You know, he is prepared to go five rounds and go to war. And, and he is very good with that striking. He's very good at keeping the range, which... Right would be a weakness of Volkanovski's for sure. So, um, and he is also very quick too. So I don't think Volkanovski would have a huge speed advantage and Yair can keep the distance. And like you said, his takedown defense has been improving. So um, I like his chances against Volkanovski, but I also like Arnold Allen's chances against Volkanovski. Yeah. Arnold Allen is good everywhere. I think Volkanovski would be more powerful. Um, maybe a little bit faster, but not as technical. Um, I think Arnold Allen can stand up when he gets taken down or stop Volkanovski's takedowns. And, and um, I think he could possibly piece Volkanovski up on the feet. But hmm. um, yeah, like Cage Mike, you said, where does this leave Josh Emmett? Uh, you know, it, it, de it depends on what Volkanovski wants to do because I, you know, Emmett definitely deserves to be in the mix as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he got that win over Cater as well. So, yeah, if he um, wins the lightweight title, then it, the division's wide open. Yeah, yeah, but that's a big if. For sure. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It, you know, it's great to have to worry about these things. Yeah, know? it is. You know, these are the kinds of problems UFC wants to have. Too many great fighters. I I remember many years ago UFC did an all heavyweight like pay per view. It was like five pay-per-view fights or heavyweight. I'd like to see something like that, like with a featherweight or a bantamweight division 
and just welterweight you know, would be good. Would be a good too, one yeah, just because you got so much talent and some of these lighter weight classes that you know, let's clear up some of this stuff here. You know, yeah, yeah, I would be down for that too. Yeah, they haven't done anything like that in a long time. No. Um. So Jake Paul, Anderson Silva, um. Jake Paul, man, uh, assuming this is all on the up and up, sometimes we see things that make me question some of his stuff. But um, to me, uh, he's gotten to the point that um, I think I favor him in boxing over any MMA fighter at this point. Um, And I was looking at potential matchups for Jake Paul. um, And I had, uh, obviously, he liked Connor. I just don't see that happening anytime realistically. I don't Not see right Dana. now, yeah. No, they don't have it. Nate Diaz, I think, makes the most sense. Um, he talked about Floyd Mayweather uh, recently on Aria Hawani. That he said, you know, if he could get down to like one seventy five, and Floyd could do one sixty five, they could maybe make the fight happen. Um, I think that's in the realm of possibility, but I don't think it's going to probably happen either. I don't think Floyd will. That's. Would, I don't think he would risk that at this point. It's too dangerous for Floyd. I can't believe I'm saying that, but it really is because Jake has shown that, you know, he has a certain level of boxing skills. No one didn't know Floyd, but he's bigger than Floyd. Plus the size advantage, yeah. Yeah, that size is really the problem. So, um, But it would be a big money fight also. It would be a lot of money too. So if the the numbers are right, you know, it's a possibility. Absolutely. I I don't see it happening. Mariah Hall. Um, if they can't get the deal done with Nate Diaz, I think Uriah Hall's a guy. Hall's a guy. Um, I don't know if it was his trainer. Someone said that he thinks he can beat Jake Paul in boxing if he takes Paul needs some more fights, and if Paul works hard, like Hall works really hard in trains, he could do that. I see what he's saying. However, I think if they're gonna fight Hall, they'll do it soon, <laughs> and they won't allow that potential thing to happen. And um, yeah, right now I can't see Hall beating Jake Paul either. Hall- Hall needs to get his head right if he wants to do that fight because he, you know, he squeaked out a victory against Le'Veon Bell, right? Okay. Who had two wins, two boxing fights or whatever. And one was against another NFL player. So uh, no way should that fight have gone. I know it was four rounds, but right. no way should that fight have gone the distance. You're right. Should have knocked him out. Um, and he didn't. So. Um, but that's kind of been his MO through his career. If his head's right, he is, you know, world champion caliber. But if he's doesn't want to be there, he doesn't show up. So uh he would have to become motivated for sure against Jake. Yeah. Um then the other stuff I wanted to mention was just um the potential boxing matches. Now I think he's gonna have to win another fight or two. I think he's gonna I think this is the path now. Like he's basically He's going to keep in bigger name MMA fights where he can win in the boxing round, but he's going to get a big boxing fight. And that's where the money's going to be. And I got to think like he called out Canelo. He's not going to win. That's, that's where the, you know, the, the story ends. But I think like that's an actual possibility. Like I think that he could get that fight, but another fight I think he could get that they might do is triple G. Um, either, but Right. I, I don't see that Canelo fight happening for a, at least a few more fights. Like Jake would would really have to put it on some boxers, I think, before Canelo fought him. 
okay. Triple G, you know, maybe. Yeah, because Triple G is looking for a money fight before he goes out. Um, I feel like Canelo thinks it's, you know, it would tarnish his legacy to do this fight that he thinks is beneath him at this point as a boxing, you know, connoisseur. I mean, he is the pound for pound, probably number two in the world after Tyson Fury. But hmm. um, I mean... It's so crazy that we're even talking about it, but it is a possibility that that fight happens down the line. Yeah, because I uh, think he's just he's the, he's building up his name mm-hmm. and he's making himself into a better fight. He's putting the work in mm-hmm. that it's going to be believable. Now, it's not really to anybody who's super hardcore and follows this, but like he's going to be able to get enough casual public attention. And there's gonna make a big. They're gonna be a big money fight down the road, I think, in boxing for Jake Paul, because the guys that like, I don't know. Like I thought they would have stopped him would have been Anderson Silva, and that didn't happen. So now I'm thinking, okay, he's gonna beat Nate Diaz too, um, and that probably will happen. No, that fight will probably happen. I would assume that happen. that fight is next. The, yeah. the Nate Diaz fight, the Tommy Fury fight would have been interesting. Just because Tommy is young in the boxing, but is a boxer. But it looks like he realizes, I think Jake Paul realizes, that maybe that's a dangerous fight for him. Like, why would I want to fight that guy? Because it's just Tyson's brother, and it's not like going to really make me a ton of money. So he's going to keep doing what he's doing, which I think it's kind of the boxing model, right? He's taking on safe route fights to get him the most money, most name, until he can get the big fight that he wants. I think Jake smashes Tommy Fury at this point based on, you know, Tommy's last showing. And, and I think that's part of the reason why he didn't end up taking the fight in the last time, you know, his yeah. family or whatever, or his team, they figured out, hey, this isn't a good fight. There's a good possibility that you're going to lose. And they pulled him from the fight, said he had a rib injury or couldn't get to America or whatever his bullshit was. But um. Yeah, I don't think we're going to see that fight now because I I think after this Anderson Silva fight, um, people are going to respect Jake a little bit more for sure. I know I do. Uh, As as much as I don't want to say it, I I I would say he is a fighter at this point. Um, Impressive. Uh, Good on him. He's got power. He's young. He's fast. uh, Ever improving. Greatly improving in between fights as well, too. So. Yeah. Good on him. I uh this is nothing new. I saw an interview with uh Shawn Michaels on Logan Paul's uh podcast and uh it was interesting. Logan told a story about their dad was kind of a problem. Like, you know, like he used to get involved in career, but he didn't know Logan never knew that. And Logan was like the straight A student, you know, wrestled in college, you know, did did all that. And um <laughs> he said Jake found out earlier that his dad was into stuff. And that's how Jake got nicknamed the problem because Jake was the one stealing iPads, stealing and doing all this crazy stuff. And so, um, yeah, it's interesting to see like sometimes like how this all happened. The Paul brothers, <laughs> I hate to say it, but are actually somewhat interesting to me now. And, um, but I just think, uh, yes, I think at the end of the day, he's skilled enough to beat pretty much any MMA fighter in boxing. 
Um, I'd like to see the Connor one. It depends on what Connor would see. But we need to see some Connor active in some form or shape and see what he brings to the table at this point. Like right, right now, I don't have high hopes that he could fight for three rounds without gassing out. He's like two hundred pounds. Yeah. So, all right. I think uh, we've got about thirty minutes. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's move on. We're moving we'll on. Preview. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So. We're going to be previewing uh, UFC Fight Night, Rodriguez versus Lima. So I only saw, you know, this fight card actually, when I looked at it a little bit better than I anticipated, but yes. on the prelims, the only one that I found super interesting was Miranda Maverick versus Shayna Young. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miranda is a minus 600 favorite, and I think that's for a reason. She's incredibly strong for flyweight. Um I think she just takes Shayna down and beats her up for three rounds. Uh, we get a decision, but it is one to keep an eye out for. Miranda is a possible contender in the future. She's a good prospect. Yeah, any thoughts on uh, on the? Any I like Miranda Maverick a lot too. Um, I, I again, I'm a little biased towards her. I think she's definitely got a good future. So we'll see what happens. Um, I was I'm interested in this first fight on the main card. Yeah. Uh, Grant Dawson versus Mark Madsen. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. So uh, what I think is super interesting is Mark is an underdog in this fight. Interesting. You know, he's a silver uh, medalist in the Olympics for Denmark, I believe, um, in wrestling. And uh, he is an underdog against uh, a grappler in, in Grant Dawson. What do you think about this one? Yeah, it is interesting. I think it's a good matchup for Mark uh, Madsen uh, in terms of stylistically, like you brought up. Um, Madsen, um, I remember he had a fight with Koi Guida, and I thought, oh, okay, Guida's getting older, and he'll probably handle this. And he won it by split decision, but it was every bit of that split. It was a close fight. Mm-hmm. So Madsen, to me, is a guy that um, we'll have to see if he continues to make the improvements. But despite that tremendous wrestling pedigree, like I, I feel there's a ceiling with him from what I've seen so far. Um, but we'll see. You know, these are these are the type of guys too, though, that they find ways to win and they get better. Um Brent Dodson, 18 and 1 and 1, 4 KOs, 12 subs, two decisions. He's 6 0 and 1 in the UFC right now. So I, I think that's probably what's making him the favorite. But Madsen's 12 and 0, but maybe not as active. Yeah. Um yeah, but I got Madsen uh, with you, and I'm saying it's going to be by decision. Yeah, uh, I think I'm going to go with Madsen by decision, too. Probably a very boring fight, but I think with his grappling, he's just going to stay safe on top. Yeah, I agree. I yeah. agree. We'll move on to, to uh, forgive me for this name, uh, Tagir Ulimbekov. This versus, is why you lead the show now. <laughs> yeah, versus uh, Nathan Manis. Yeah. So. Now, this is a pretty good matchup. Yeah. You want to give out their records? Sure. Uh, the Tiger, I see you said his name there. He's 13 and 2, 1 KO, 6 subs, 6 decision. And Nate is 14 and 2, 5 KOs, 3 subs, 6 decisions. A lot of regional titles for Nate. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be an interesting fight. I kind of like Nate. I've seen him fight a few times. He's a real dog. Um, I think Nate. We'll pull it off, but I think this is going to be another fight that might go decision. Yeah, it's definitely a great matchup. Uh, I think Nate has the striking advantage and to gear the grappling advantage. Um, 
and and I think I just favor grapplers in fights overall, um, mm. especially when the margins are so small here. Uh, so I'm going to go with Tigir by uh, decision. Okay. Yeah, so we'll we'll move of... on to a yeah. super exciting uh, potential matchup. Uh, I think this could potentially be fight of the night. Uh, heavyweights Chase Sherman versus Josh Parisian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sherman is 16 and 10, 15 KOs, <laughs> one decision. The man He's likes a f- finish. Former bare knuckle champion. And then Parisian's 15 and 5, 11 KOs, two subs, two. The man's only gone to decision twice. Between both these guys, 27 wins. They've only gone to decision three times. I predicted decisions in both, but this will not be a decision. Yeah. Um, I, I like, I maybe I'm being my, I like Sherman. I think there's something my gut tells me he's going to pull this off. And I think it'll be a first one round KO. Not because he's just going to, I think they're just going to go out banging. Yeah. And I think that's why I like Very Sherman. Yeah. Very possible that that's what happens. Yeah. Um, who knows who wins in this one, really? I like yeah. both guys, but if I had to pick a, a winner, I'd say Chase Sherman as well. I'm going to say um, they they make it to the second round before they really let go. So I'll say Chase by KO in round two. Yeah. All right, we'll move on to uh, another good matchup, sleeper on this card, uh, co-main event, Neil Magny versus Daniel Rodriguez. Yeah. Uh, Magni, 26 and 9, 7 KOs, 3 subs, 6 decisions. Rodriguez, 17 and 2, 8 KOs, 4 subs, 5 decisions. He's on a 4 fight win streak. Um, Rodriguez is tough. This is a good test for him, though, because Magni is just that ultimate, like, martial artist in a lot of ways to me because he's just, he's super respectful. He's always looking for ways to improve. We might have talked about it. He's a guy that got smoked by Damian Maya because of his jitsu. What did he do? He started training with Damian Maya, mm-hmm. right? And he's always getting that. He's got like the longest time, like in the octagon and the street. Like he has like he's in the top of those records without even looking it up. And um, I don't know. Magnus is a guy who consistently gets better too. Um, I don't know. Rodriguez is a guy on the come up. But I kind of like Magni here. I think Magni gets it done. Um, I'll say this is a decision, though. So normally, I would say Neil only loses to guys that manage to outgrapple him. Um, and that won't be Daniel Rodriguez. No. He's a striker for sure. But Neil is, I believe, 35 now. And uh, if Father Time is coming for him, sure. he's going to come for him soon. Um, combine that with the fact that Daniels looked great in his last few fights. He's definitely on the come up. I, I think I'm going to give Daniel Rodriguez the nod. Mm. Um, I think Neil Magny will actually get finished. Um, he's been rocked in a lot of fights and he manages to, you know, hold it together and come back. I, I there's only so many times you can do that. He's 35 now. I think, you know, if you get rocked by Daniel Rodriguez, you're in trouble because he's got a killer instinct to finish. So I think um, we're going to see a KO, but Magni survives to the third round. All right. Yeah. So we'll move on to the main event. Um, this is the ev- main event is replacing our missed main event of uh, Bryce Mitchell versus uh, Ivalov. So now we have Marina Rodriguez versus Amanda Lemos. All right, we got 
Yeah, we got Rodriguez, who is uh, 16, 1 and 2, 6 KOs, 1 sub, 9 decision. And Lemos is 12, 2 and 1, 7 KOs, 3 subs, 2 decisions. Um, both these girls got some power for their weight classes here, just looking at those knockouts. Um, it's an interesting fight. I think I like Rodriguez by decision. Yeah, it's a super interesting matchup. Um, I assume this fight is for the number one contender spot in the division. Yeah. Um, another, you know, very packed division, especially towards the top. Uh, so I would see, say, Amanda definitely has the power advantage when it comes to the striking, but Rodriguez would be the more technical striker. Um, so if Lemos wants to win, I think a uh, path to victory would be if she tried to mix in some takedowns and maybe, uh, you know, get Rodriguez thinking about those. They open her up for, you know, some powerful striking from Lemos. But I still think that Rodriguez probably handles any takedown attempts, um, whether stopping the takedown or managing to get up and uh, just outpoints Lemos. Uh, I think she wins in a decision, moves on. Uh, she deserves a title shot if she wins, I think. Mm. I hope she gets it. Now, um, yeah, it should be an interesting card. Uh, I believe we have a program. Don't we have some Cage My IQ stuff coming up today, too? Yes, we do. So, uh, producer Joe had some technical difficulties with the uh, John Wayne Parr uh, interview from Cage My IQ. So, all rectified now. So, we're going to be putting out both uh, interviews with John Wayne Parr and with John Anik, UFC commentator, John Anik. Uh, so looking forward to uh, watching sad. both of those for sure. You know, thanks again to cage, uh, cage, my IQ for the collaboration um, and uh, being a friend of the show. So looking forward to watching those videos. Absolutely. And um, what's I guess, tell them what we got coming up. All right, November 12th, we'll be previewing UFC 281, Adesanya versus Piera. And then November 19th, UFC Fight Night, Lewis versus Spivak, 4 p.m. card. And then the end of the month, November 26th, we'll be previewing the 2022 PFL Championships. Yeah. And also, by the way, for uh, fans of Cage My Q2, our interview that I did with uh, former WCW wrestler Stevie Ray of Harlem Heat is on there right now. And we do talk a little bit of boxing, a little bit of MMA. Stevie loves Great to talk interview. about much anything. Yeah. So that's some good stuff, too. But uh, I think that'll do it for this week, guys. Um, it was a fun show, as always, Chevy. But um, I think it's time we get on out of here. Yeah. All right. See you at the fights, guys. All right, so that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at Fans Working. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's Working Fans Wrestling Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, Working Fans Wrestling underscore pod. And then as always, please continue to listen to us on Anchor.fm, Google Podcast, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week.